Welcome to the Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Demo Media. Thank you, Olotango, as always. Um, this is part two of the rambling conversation we had about um, the future. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were supposed to get into a mailbag that we never got into, that we're going to get into now. Rambling conversation about the future is basically the description for any episode of this podcast. <laughs> we do, so. I got you. But this is the mailbag, the, the promised mailbag that we never delivered upon. All right. Awesome. Thanks for joining, guys. Uh, so we go um, with the vending machine one. So MDM is about to launch a vending machine business in airports and train stations. What goes in the vending MDM machine? MDM is? No, hypothetically speaking, in this future MDM. Like, oh, shit, I missed the meeting. <laughs> Dave's like, how did you guys plan a whole vending machine business without me? <laughs> what goes in the future vending machine? Um... Or hypothetical vending machine. Hypothetical I'm getting out of future mode. Yeah. I'm getting out of like you can just invent whatever. Yeah. But like I don't want to like invent technologies. Yeah. Okay, let's just have a rule of like here's what I'll say. And here's all I, I don't have an answer, but here's here's the things I'm thinking about. One, the shit that goes into a Tokyo drink machine, and two, some of these things that uh Chang and I have seen in person, which are, you know, the the hot noodle vending machine that comes spits out a bowl of udon or ramen. Or my kid's favorite one, which is like a little robot that like vends a cotton candy shaped in whatever way. I'm thinking along these lines, but do you have things that are go into your vending machine? You know what I want as a vending machine is the throwback. I want the style and design of what it looked like in the 40s and 50s and 60s and maybe even 70s. Where you would press a button and a door would slide open and you would get a sandwich. You know, um, a dessert, a pudding or whatever. Mm. You know, it looks... Like nothing today, you know. Um, it's like an automat type of thing. That's what I hope is a throwback to automats. that kind of uh, vending machine. What is that? So that's somebody like somebody's actually making food and yeah, it to you? I mean, that too. But even the design of a you used to press a button and you'd be able to then get access to it by sliding the door and getting food that way. Mm. Again, everything becomes new again. But that to me, I would love to see. Actually, you know, I was just, so I was in, I was in Amsterdam recently. They have a restaurant that's like this where it's just bays, just a wall of, of glass windows with all like fried hot foods in them. (laughs) And we had just eaten dinner and the guy was like, do you want to go do a diagonal? And I was like, uh, no, I'm like away from my family. I shouldn't be doing anything like crazy. He's like, no, no, no. That's when we go to this place and we just eat a whole straight diagonal line (laughs) of things across the vending machine. I was like, oh. Fuck yeah, I do, want, I do want to do that. Vending machine, simple answer I think is like, if it was action MDM machine, we just have all the snacks that belong in vending machines that you don't get. You'd have like Jagarico potato straws and like discontinued snacks and shit. Speaking of which, when we were in Palo Alto recently, when you went to get the rental car, I spent all of my time trying to get a goddamn Diet Dr. Pepper from the vending machine. <laughs> what I was happened? so pissed. And... It wouldn't accept, first of all, there was a jam on the keyboard. So if you pressed like 307, that was my number. Mm-hmm. 304, 305, 306, or 307. Well, any four of those gets me a diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> $3 too, right? And I could use Apple Pay or any kind of credit card or whatever. But it was one of those things with a lag. You press something and then what shows up is what you pressed 25 times ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh right, so you, instead of getting 305, you got 333. Or 777777. Or 000. 
And then for whatever reason, when I would get it, the times I would get it right and I'd pay transaction, it wouldn't go through. Yeah. But I just saw somebody do it successfully. Yeah. Wow. So to me, um, yeah, I have no love for vending machines. I mean, that makes me think though. So what you just described is my favorite moment. When you walk up to a vending machine and it's just like six rows of the same thing and you have to decide, well, am I going to do 102, 106, 108, 109, 112? Like they're all the same thing. If we had a MDM vending machine, I would I would want it to be like Cup of the Carpenter style where it did matter which one you picked and like gamify it where it's like, well, actually 108 looks like a bottle of water, but that's just uh, tequila. And I would <laughs> drink that whole goddamn thing. You know, that's we were, what I would put in the vending machine. When, we were in, uh, when I was in Taiwan, uh, they said this company was going public and it was in one of the restaurants where we were eating again. When I said I was eating um, hot pot every day, it's true. I just spoke to a, a friend of mine who came back from Taiwan and they were there for two weeks and they never had any hot pot. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but one of the places we had um, um, Shaoxing wine hot pot was a place where there were those, those claw machines where you can get mm-hmm, a gift. Mm-hmm. And it was just the wall. It was like 20 of them before you got in the restaurant. So they put in the awnings before it mints money in Taiwan. That company went public. <laughs> it's the claw games are like actually just claw games. Just normal, normal things. That to me, I, I have so many problems with that. The claw game. The thing. claw game. I hate the fucking claw game. So unfair. I don't think you've taken your kids to like a Dave and Buster's yet, but I have blown so much money on a claw game because the kids are convinced that it's winnable. Jesus. It's insane. That's insane. So that would honestly probably be the MDM thing. It would be a food claw game. Instead of teddy bears and <laughs> electronics, you're going to have food <laughs> that you're supposed to get out of the claw. But we rigged it so you're not allowed to ever win. That would be the truest MDM game. You don't think it would be like iPhone charging cables or something like something that people actually needed? No. It would be like a, the ones you do get are like a box of fortune cookies. Nice. <laughs> Fair enough. Here's a quickie. Why hasn't lamb taken off in the US? It's less resource intensive, more cost efficient to raise, and it's more delicious than beef, says somebody. <laughs> okay, well... Two of those three statements were true, for sure. But going so one well. was very, very untrue. <laughs> Second of all, since when have Americans made a decision based on like what's more sustainable? That's not fucking. That's not true. Why isn't lamb taken off? That's too gamey. Doesn't yeah. It's too gamey. It's not a game. It doesn't even have game flavor. It tastes like lamb, so it's too lamby for here's, people. Here's an example. My people, Chinese people, who are unoffended by gaminess, unoffended by, you know, or have a much more uh, uh, broadly accepting palate. Even we are like, oh, lamb, you got to douse that shit in cumin if you're going to eat that. <laughs> well, no, that's mutton. And I think mutton yeah, yeah. clearly is a different thing than lamb, right? Mutton goes hard, yeah. Mutton is something you, is, is, is pungent. Yeah, we'll eat like lamb skewers too, but you're talking about like, so the difference is mutton is old and lamb is younger and less lamby. Yeah, you're basically eating Babies to adolescence. Mm. And that's just the truth. It sounds terrible. Guess what? It's that's what it is. It's the truth. You know, it's under a year, I believe. Yeah. And anything over starts to taste muttony. Where are you personally on the lamb? I'm not, it's not my favorite. I love the mutton chop at Keen's. It's not really man mutton chop. It's just a double cut lamb chop. I didn't grow up lo- eating lamb. 
So yeah, it's not my were. favorite. Um, but whole roast tonight, it can be great. I just, it's, it's never been, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think of it as a magical animal as such as the pig. Put mm-hmm. it that way. Pig versus lamb. There's no I can't think of, I guess, have you ever served? I can't think of a. We've Momo, had lamb throughout the years. Yeah. Momo lamb did. I, I, I lamb, like lamb. You had a lamb bing, right? Yeah. Oh, the lamb bing. We've that's had right. lamb at, at lamb a bunch neck. of restaurants. I just don't. That's right. It's not my my desired meat. Yeah. Whole roasted lamb, delicious, but I don't you know. That's very, very, very rare. We, we start, you know, I, I I like it. I don't it's not something I I mean, it's not my go to. That's why it hasn't taken off. Yeah. <laughs> or they need to eat more toothpick lamb. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Pure Leaf Ice Tea. Great iced tea takes you somewhere else like new pure leaf blackberry iced tea that we have here at the Spotify studios and drink quite a bit where unexpectedly blackberry flavor transports you to a berry delicious place. So refreshing you may never want to leave. You will eventually have to though, but take your time. Try new pure leaf blackberry iced tea. Visit amazon.com slash pure leaf and enter 20 pure leaf. That's 20 pure leaf for 20% off your purchase of new pure leaf Blackberry iced tea. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. All right. Question for the parents, which is, I guess, the three of us. We all want our kids to be smarter and more talented than us, at least in theory. What types of tiger parent things are you and your partners doing for your kids? Oh, man. I'm trying really hard at the moment to help Ruby get over the last hump of reading. And it's like I'm confronted daily with the. Daily, really. There's this point where I'm like, I know how my parents would do this. I know how they would talk to me and treat me uh, when it comes to studying and working on stuff. And I know how I want or I'm supposed to be or I would like to be. And (laughs) I I mean, fuck, man. Tiger parenting is very effective. (laughs) I I I don't know what else to say. Like yelling and threatening and forcing them to do shit is like is extremely extremely effective and so it's like daily I'm just gonna play this Hugo how's the reading coming what reading reading? yeah I'm so confused at it (laughs) Dave wins this round I guess (laughs) he's he's just like not taking to it I'm you know Grace I am really tiger parenting. It's coming out. And this is how ingrained it is to me. And a lot of it is how I probably even act in a kitchen too. And I'm just like, I'm realizing how so many things are my default setting, whether it's how I was taught or raised or whatever, clearly all of the above. But it has been, and maybe for you too, Chris, I've never had to teach somebody how to, I've, uh, no, that's not true. I have taught people how to read, but not children. It is, the most painful fucking thing I've ever experienced in my life. It's so hard. I, 
It's so frustrating that I'm tiger parenting without him realizing it because I'm like, okay, how I used to do it and how it was taught to me was, okay, if you do something, even if it's not even reading, like I would remember like playing golf. If I, all of these putts on a, say it's like six different putts from different lengths. I have to hit them all correctly. If I miss the fifth one, I have to go back to the first one. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I found myself doing that same thing with Hugo on reading where I'm like, Hey, uh, G E T S. Okay. We spell it out. What is it? Gets. All right. So we now spell the sentence and I, we try to go line by line and almost hooked on phonics style. We got that. We've been doing it and it's been great, but it's also like, Oh my God. Like, how do I not be a fucking prick about this? Because he makes a mistake and I'm like, okay, we got to go back. He's like, I don't want to go back. I'm like, because it's a good way of learning is repetition. He's like, I want to read that page now. I'm like, but you never got this page done right. I don't have an answer. I'm trying not to be a tiger parent. I'm trying not to be, quite frankly, I'm not saying anything terrible, mean or terrible. My facial reaction is not, my facial reaction is a tiger parent. Put it that way. I'm not saying anything at all. But my facial reaction is like, oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> oh. not so bad. No, no, no. We just went over it a hundred times. G-E-T-S, get. Yeah, I mean, maybe you have maintained, maybe you've, you've it sounds like you've been able to like contain it to your face, which I totally understand, which you're just like, uh-huh, great. Like you're just like losing your mind. I have not. I'll be very honest with you. Like, no. I have not. I have like, I like lose my shit because we'll read G-E-T-S, gets. We'll sound it out, gets. And a lot, oftentimes with these like learned, like hooked on phonics, whatever, it's like the sentences are the same fucking structure. So it's like, Dave gets a bean. Chris gets a bean. And she'll be like, okay, Dave gets a bean. Chris. I'm like, it's the same fucking word. <laughs> yeah. Just right there. You just read the You just word. read it, but then now it's in a slower case. <laughs> it's just right. Same word. Same word. Assholes, man. No, fuck you, dude. You Wait till no you do this, idea. man. Explaining something to somebody but this is this is parenting. This is the essentials of parenting. Explaining something that comes naturally to you mm-hmm. is fucking impossible. Especially when you feel like they're not trying to get it. Mm-hmm. Like we'll play catch, and I know Ruby can catch a goddamn ball, but she just like refuses and thinks it's so funny. And I'm just like, you gotta stop. You gotta <laughs> stop. So now, honestly, this is this is a this is a deal I've made with Ruby. Cause it got bad. I'm, I'm just like, I'm being really honest about this. We, we shake our hand before we work on hooked on phonics, before we open the app, we, we shake hands and we say like, we have a deal, right? Like I'm not going to lose my patience. I'm not going to yell and you're going to try your best and not guess. Cause she loves to just guess the words yeah, and just same. like guess. <laughs> I'm like, if you promise me, you won't guess. I don't care if you get it wrong. I don't care if it takes forever. They're just punking us. Just stop. They are, right? They're smarter than we think they are. They're just These getting us. all reading Finnegan's way. <laughs> I, I come into Ruby's room at night. She's like, oh, I wasn't reading it. No, I can't read. Can't read. Can't read. Don't know what you're talking about. I, it's so frustrating. And it makes me mad when I see Grace reading. And Grace and he was like, I don't want to read with you. I want to read with mom. And I'm like, Grace is so put together. Patient. And I'm like, is she undermining me? Because yeah, she's undermining me. <laughs> she is. I'm like, you know what? You could read with mom. You're not making any progress with mom. <laughs> yeah. I was like, the reason you know how to... So there's a this Hooked on Funny book, right? Uh, it's like Cat and the Hat or whatever. He Because 
of me, he now can memorize, he's memorized a whole fucking book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's mm-hmm. a start? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't tie it to the actual. They, they memorize it and they just, and then they also can like, they understand words well enough. Like hearing Hugo talk just now, like he's got a really good command of English. So he just can guess what the next word's going to be. So I've had this like who's on first, the Abbott and Costello bit that has happened and continues to happen. And I just don't know if anyone else, and if you're not a parent, or maybe if you are a parent, it's just localized to me mm-hmm. and my circle of hell. <sighs> hey, Hugo, what letter is this? Or I. Okay. What is that? I. What is it? Can you read the sentence? I can't. <laughs> he, he hasn't figured out that I is me. Yeah, I is it's not just I letter. is just the letter I. Right. So he's like, it's yeah. I. Yeah. But he doesn't know what it means. He's just like, well, that's the letter I. What does that say? What does that say? He can say the word I, but he got like, when I say, can you speak it out loud? Yeah, explain. Okay. Explain what the word I means to somebody who does no idea. How do you say that? How do you explain the concept of I? Oh, it's the first person. What does that mean? Right, right, it's right. me. Oh, yeah. what do you mean me? It's you I. Know, uppercase, mm. lowercase I. He can mm-hmm. say that he can identify that the letter is I. Mm-hmm. You know, how do he you explain that without say, saying like he knows that it sounds like eh. <laughs> right. So mm-hmm. he reads it. So you see the letter I, you say, eh. No, I. Yeah, I, eh, I, eh. But when I. you have to read like I am happy. Yeah. Happy. <laughs> What's that first? That one one <laughs> letter right there. We'll just say the one letter, one letter. Eh. <laughs> he can't do it I'm like what is that letter I okay now now just say that one letter blank I mean dog you know well, he'll say anything I'm like okay right, let's see what I'm going okay, what, what is that what is that letter I but like explaining <laughs> a, a extremely what we consider like fundamental concept is really hard to do yeah mm-hmm. we're losing people here no no yeah. but like outside the kid thing real talk Dave and I have had conversations over the years when it comes to just like, you know, work and management, you know, Dave once said to me, just like, you're too used to working with like overeducated, super intelligent people. Like where you just have this expectation and your weak spot is being able to explain things and help and like identify like work ethic and then uh, conveying knowledge. So like it's real. Tiger parenting. Yeah. It's, it's something that I'm trying not to do. But it's I'm, there. I'm failing. Okay. Um, this is. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Give us two years. Just you two trust years. me, buddy. I mean, Don't judge, dude. You don't I, have no I'm not idea. judging. I'm just saying. All right. Um, what are you saying? <laughs> I'm just saying. You guys. You guys are intense, dude. Damn. You. I'm. I'm so mad. At you. <laughs> this is. I'm so mad. At you. This is it, Dave. We're trying to explain something to this child over here that we cannot fucking convey. And I'm, I'm trying chilling, to be nice dude. about it, but like... No one told me it was this hard. Yeah. This is maybe the hardest thing I've ever done. Teaching, teaching you know about parenting is harder than teaching my children to read. I'm trying to be patient, but I don't have it. That actually leads to pretty well to our next question. So what do you wish you had done to be ready for parenthood? Is there anything you thought you needed to feel ready that actually didn't matter that much? So two, it's a two-part question. You know... What did I need to be better prepared for? Yeah, what, what do you wish you had done to be more ready for it? And then is there anything you thought you needed to feel ready that actually didn't end up mattering that much? I don't know. Nothing that I thought would pass. matter matter. <laughs> Nothing that I thought pass. mattered yeah. would matter. I passed. Matter what's, what's so I take my one pass that I ever used. <laughs> okay. 
I'll, I'll, I'll put in one real quick. I, I think that diaper bag and everything, like, <laughs> it's it, like preparing to go to the hospital. I think people over-prepare sometimes. I think that's oh. the one that's overrated. People, like, freak out the first time and then I just think... It's just, it comes down to personality. Jamie and I were talking about this last night. Just, like, uh, people are different. The, people yeah. have different personalities. Dave's a very different parent and Dave and Grace are very different than we are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I showed up to Keith's birth with my wallet and my phone and that was literally all we had. Strong. And he still came out as a baby. Yeah. And not that's a goat. Right. <laughs> not a goat. Um, Oh, okay. So, if private membership restaurants are the future, what are the rules for the MDM private club restaurant? And Dave, I know you kind of did this for Siberia and Meat Club, but um, you could go back over this. Hypothetical MDM restaurant, what are the rules for membership, Chang? You have to be considered a good diner, number one, right? Whether you have a license or not. If you are not simple, if you're a good diner, right? That's it. Means that you never have to follow up for reservation. You, if you're late, it's a bad diner. If you're annoying to the, everyone else, you're a bad diner. If you order like an idiot, you're a bad diner. A good diner. What? <laughs> order like an idiot. It's just like, I, mean, what? I guess I just got, like I got kicked out of my own goddamn <laughs> <MDM> club. <laughs> We're not getting in. I just think a good diner, whatever that may be. And a good diner doesn't have to be someone that's eaten everywhere else. It's just, you know. I think that's basically that's 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 all encompassing, right? Just be a good diner, and and I think part of being a good diner is just like being be an acceptable human being. <laughs> that, that's what I'm getting. It's like is it just be a good person? Because that's what it sounds like. Yeah. You know what I was thinking too, and I was talking to a chef about it this weekend, and what I might just do at the studio, totally different, because ultimately I guess it will sort of effectively be a club that no one's invited to. <laughs> there is no membership um, when we start filming a show there. Um, I think I might just do the burger tep on there. I've been also thinking about how I would do this per guest that comes in. Um, would I having it op- uh, having it sort of uh, different every menu is hard to do. I think for the customer, there has to be some continuity. You see, I use the word for the first time. Nice. Like properly. Nice. Continuity. 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 Um, and I was like, maybe I just do. The burger teppanyaki idea at Dalma Studio. Oh. Well, I mean, it's a little, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying because like the, the current plan has been bespoke menu for every single person, which A is hard and B doesn't like really allow for any sort of like improvement on an idea or, or execution. It's a little bit know. like next, right? It's a little bit like let's have a, a menu for a while and work on that. Well, yeah, sort of I, I was just thinking like you could make. You sit down. When I'm talking about any other courses, it's like, okay, um, we have grass-fed, we have 72-day, we have 30-day, you know, we have Harefoot, we have Wagyu, we got blah, 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 blah. We have Chuck. We have all the different cuts, and you can hand-blend and hand-grind, you know, in front of the customer. Mm-hmm. You can make your variety of whatever potato chips you want. You can have your own potato bun. I was thinking about the numbers on the burger tepon too, if this was going to be a functioning restaurant. If you did that kind of burger griddled and you were making your own, like say ice cream and you had whatever, and then you had, I have to figure out what the first, second courses might be, but let's just say we've, sure, whatever. S cargo. I don't know. Fuck <laughs> 
I think you could charge a hundred dollars a person today. And that's what I mean by an experiential restaurant. I think you could do a forward facing burger tap on do a hundred dollars a person, 10 seat, hundred dollars, eight to 12 seat restaurant, hundred dollars per person just for the food. I think you could do a hundred dollars a person and you'd have a four month wait list. Yeah. I really think it would be delicious. Two courses, super bespoke burger. Yeah. What would you, of course. Yeah. You do a hundred bucks for sure. No beverage. Everything's like. And ice cream and dessert. And something that I, I, I thought about that I, we said, or I said that caused me to continue thinking about this idea. And this is just how I think about things. See, she was at one point considered lowbrow and now it's not. If you think about a burger, it was lowbrow and it got elevated in the late nineties, early aughts via New York and Daniel Blute, et cetera, et cetera. Now burgers are in the mid thirties to $40 price point. It's not out of the realm of possibility that burgers and burger making done in the way of making it forward facing tap-on style, or even how you'd see it in Japan, bespoke, intimate. You couldn't have the burger be the, the kind, instead of trying to run away from the idea of the burger, this is literally judo moving and going all in and saying the burger is as Americana as anything is. And this is the definitive way of like, Primo dining in America. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I think I think that sushi was invented as a quick food, as a snack food, and <laughs> Japanese food culture approaching it with reverence and respect and, and seriousness is what created, like, elevated it, right? All it takes is the same thing from America. So, like, what is the American invention? The burger. Just elevating it in our own minds is the first step to taking it to the next place. I, that's what I want to fuck around with. I've been so um, caught in this idea. And I, I was like, fuck, maybe we should just do this uh, at the studio. And maybe that's what I cook for like the first year. I, I don't know. It, I've been having a hard time figuring out what the other courses are. Um, really been struggling. But I can figure out the, the burger element to me is pretty key. You could even offer... I have a potato bun. Mm-hmm. You know, I have, even though prop brioche or whatever. This is, <laughs> you know, your pretzel bun. <laughs> oh, wow. No, I said that's okay. a joke, but you can do rye and patty melt style, whatever. Oh, yeah, it's like, hey, I, I, yeah, patty melt. Hey, I, you know, you can do foie. There's so many things you can customize for that person and make it delicious. Like, you can really make it super delicious. And everyone's going to like it. And yeah, I can just do, you know, you spin some ice cream. Not that that's easy, but you can make a really nice one. Maybe it's just pie, right? Mm-hmm. I love at Shuko, you just get an apple pie. Just make fucking pies. Seasonal pies. This is what you get in a scoop of ice cream. Like, that to me is awesome. So it's just like, okay, how do you do five courses in an hour? Maybe it's two, three courses an hour. You get the burger, dessert. Let's just say it's pies. You got the... You offer... Today, I have four cuts of burgers. And then I have a, now a hand grinder where I'm, we're grinding. I mean, I'm forming it, yeah. you know? Well, I mean, frankly, I mean, I, if you're struggling to figure out the other two courses, like I, I can't actually imagine coming to this as a, as a, from the diner side, I can't imagine going to this type of restaurant and not getting at least two different options of burger. Like I would want no, to try to. You're not, you haven't, 
clearly been to my restaurant. Like what I would want. It's like you get one burger. That's fucking <laughs> no. Yeah. Come on. I'm sure. Multiple. Like, no. You get pieces one of sushi. You get one burger. That's burgers. fucking it. My fucking restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get two burgers. My fucking restaurant. You get, get one fucking burger. That's it. I'm a fucking soup Nazi time. Like, that's it. Hey, you're out. Uh, your hour's up. Get the fuck out. <laughs> you think it'd take me an hour to eat a goddamn burger? These are 30 minute turns at best. No, but like, okay, it's like I can make the french fries, uh, you know, in duck fat or fucking pork fat or whatever. I can do, think about the french fries. I can make cottage fries. I can do waffles. I can do pomme souffles. I can do shoestring. I can do wedges. Imagine being able to do that a la minute. It'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Onion rings. Super cool. You know, I, I, there's so much to be done there. And again, part of it is instead of running away from it, let's just judo move this fucking thing and fully embrace it. And as funny as it sounds, if sushi can become the, this, this whole culture of excellence, yeah. fuck it, like the burger can too. Just throwing that out there, you know? Enrique has the taco bar. It's fucking so cool at Cosme. Not Cosme. Um, Pujol. Pujol. So maybe it is a burger. Um, maybe you do fucking chicken nuggets. I, I don't even know, right? Like, that's the thing is, I, had, I can't even figure it out. That's not a Caesar salad. That's mm-hmm. not. Maybe it is a Caesar I, I don't know. But that's what I've been thinking. And that's maybe what I want to screw around with. I got to get a griddle. I'm, I'm excited for this. Right, it's a it's yeah, a good how, idea, how many, right? Yeah. Um, against this one burger limit, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> like everyone, it's the been you got to earn. I'm telling you, you got to earn the right for a second burger. I feel like oh. I feel like I've done enough. But like, you no, do like just everybody. Everyone's a. <laughs> but they usually like give you. They'll ask you like, "Is there anything anything else you'll like at the end of an omakase?" Right? It's like, hey, like, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, I like, well, maybe, like again." Like, I love she mistake. I hope that people when they go there they order everything else and not just the sandwich, but. Part of that is the magic of them with their bread, the milk bread, and they make the mayonnaise, mustard sauce that tastes exactly like Big Mac sauce. And they slice all the Wagyu and they put it on and they make the sandwich. That is like awesome. Maybe, you know, it's... This is interesting because like that's an interesting model just when you're talking about all the stuff you could do. All the stuff you could also be, you could, you could be serving those same burger ingredients out in different contexts and, and showing those off before you do your Yeah, we, we can do the burger dip, right? Yeah. You know... Put foie on it. There's all these different things that you can do. Um, and maybe it's oysters. Maybe it's not. That's where I honestly have been going. You have the burger as is, and clearly this has been done, and we've been fucking around with it over the years too, where you have something that is iconoclastic as the end or the starter that is a complete contrary to anything else that you're having. I like that con- that contrast, but I've really been figuring out what the fuck I do for the first and second courses for these guests because, you know, like uh, serving something that if we're having a conversation, I don't want to serve something where it's just like three bites and then it's done. It's not, mm-hmm. not good. And we've had some experience because of what we've done for LG. Um, so that's where my brain is at. It's trying to figure out what the first and second courses are. I think you definitely need to have three at minimum. Hmm. you know um, not inclusive of dessert no I, I would say including dessert you get the burger what is the first course right what do you you know when you had a burger well that's the interesting thing is you just eat a burger 
<laughs> and a soda. And like, I mean, yeah. otsumami is added. Like, those are all the appetizers when you go to a sushi restaurant. Like, yeah, what is that? Right. What's right? the burger otsumami? So this is the, where I get really excited using some thought and imagination. Okay. Sometimes you go to a sushi restaurant, they don't offer anything. You just sit down like Jiro and you get 17 minutes of sushi and you spend $300 and you're out. You know? Sublime experience, whatever. Sometimes it's like a two, two and a half hour experience because they're, you know, different fish, different sashimi, rice, soup, and then you get into sushi. If you did that and you offered the otsumami, what would that be if you had the burger as your sushi per se? Right. But what the otsumami is like specifically foods that go with drinks. And like it's it's like the actual perfection of I, I find I find the sort of definition of an appetizer in America to be so perverse in so many ways. Like I fucking listen, I love them all. I love jalapeno poppers. I love Tex-Mex egg roll, whatever it is. None of those are stoking my appetite <laughs> for the main event yeah. in any way, shape or form. But like Osumami is legitimately little snacks that go with a little booze that build your anticipation for the main event. And like, to your point, they're often mm, thematically related and heading toward the burger. Like you're telling a little bit of you have like a little journey going there. So I I do think if you're gonna do if you're gonna build this whole thing around all these different cuts of meat and it's it's that like you gotta play in the same realm. Yeah, I don't know. This is this is this is what's gonna be fun. And this is what we I, I really wanna like figure out, but I'm pretty sure I wanna end on like the do the burger and figure out how to do that. Everything from scratch, you know, mm-hmm. except the ketchup. See, I I remember back <laughs> in the day when uh when uh, Brooks was at Del Posto and he was just, he was doing pastry there, I remember for friends and VIPs, it'd be like, you do the whole fucking menu, have dessert, and then Brooks would come out with two superiority yeah. burgers before he had started it and just be like, this is the highlight. <laughs> like, this is what I want to eat is the fucking superiority burger. So Maybe, you know, it's, I don't know. This is where it's interesting and exciting to be in food because it's an opportunity to redo things and not follow any hierarchy or tradition, right? Or just serve it as comfort food. I mean, clearly we're in a comfort food world, but maybe I just do spinach artichoke dip or some version of that or a seven layer dip. I, I have no fucking idea. But it's it's a it's it's a struggle to come up with, which is why I'm thinking about it so much. Mm-hmm. Right. The requirements are you have to fucking be game too to be a member. You know, you know, maybe, maybe the last you, you, if you're worthy of it, you get like a, you get a moon palace slider as the, as the, like the pre, pre dessert or post dessert. Yeah. That's when you know you're actually in. That's like when, when you go to a Korean barbecue and if you're actually somebody they like, you get real banchan. You get like kejang. <laughs> they bring if, out the kejang. Yeah. The- they bring out the kejang. <laughs> and if you're me, you get some potato chips and. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. No matter how you like your eggs scrambled, over easy, or sunny side up, the people at Vital Farms believe in one thing, keeping it bullshit free. That's why their pasture-raised eggs come from hens who each have over 108 square feet of space to roam and forage all year round. So you can spend less time questioning your food and more time enjoying it. Look for Vital Farms in your grocery store and learn more at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. 
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. But that's this is what's exciting for people that are just starting out on a restaurant that you can literally try anything and everything. So, um, yeah. Sorry to digress, but I definitely want to fuck around with the burger tepon. No, I love it. That was awesome. Yeah, you I like it? Bur- It'd be pretty cool, right? I'm telling you, like this. I'm like seeing it in my head, and I'm like, damn, dude, I could go for that right now. That'd be sick. Like yeah. I m- making pom souffles to order sucks, but <laughs> I was like, if, you, if you want to do a couple, then <laughs> yeah. who cares. Yeah, that's how you get uninvited from the club. Is you check that off. It's like I want pom souffle. It's like, <laughs> right, get the fuck that's out of the here. red herring. Yeah. It's just like you're out. <laughs> okay. Um. That was kind of a nice question. Like, what has kept Momofuku Goods from scaling production, packaging, and sales of chickpea hosan? The chickpea miso pasta at Major Doma LA is amazing. Um, when we started that in the in the lab, then turned it into a facility, and um, uh, it's really just hard to do. I mean, salt is the. It's hard to scale that. It's the same reason. Actually, it's not the same reason. But imagine why can't your favorite vineyard in France make it at scale. It's just, there's certain things that don't scale that well. Um, and it's hard to do. It's hard to do even at small scale. Even though the, the techniques are relatively straightforward and now open to everybody. Um, we, I think to do it at scale, you lose a little bit of the, the nuance. And simply because why so much of the fermented products that are available commercially, um, say the misos of the world, taste one-dimensional to me is because when you're serving it at scale, selling it at scale, you need to be able to c- control that microbial action in the fermentation process. Salt, while delicious, really makes it monotone and much easier to produce at scale. That is ultimately the reason. And if it's more alive, which it really would be because you change the pH level so things are growing in a more organic fashion and you have less control, that's what makes it also delicious. And there's, I termed microbial terroir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what makes it so unique. <clears throat> and I think it's hard to do at scale. Simple, simply as that. This is why Dave's such a big fan of natural wines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Just back to dads real quick. How do y'all keep the toys under control and do your homes look like a bomb went off? <laughs> no, uh, I'm an idiot with toys. And all I do is um, use that as leverage. Do this and I'll buy you that. Do this and don't do this and I'll take this away. Uh, bribery is big in our house. Yeah. Very, very big. Threats of taking away toys also big in our house. Um, Giving a toy away every time that I lost that uh, momentum. God, we tried to do this thing the other day. Because, I mean, I think the question is more about just clutter, right? Yeah, just yeah, shit yeah. everywhere. Tried to get Ruby to do, like, let's make a box for, you know, giving away to Goodwill. Of toys you don't play with anymore. <laughs> I think we, I think net, we got rid of 
0.3 ounces of stuff in our house and remove new toys out for her to play. But I don't know. I, I think the only, the only key for me was like big boxes where you can just like throw a bunch of shit into instead of trying to like put everything on the shelves nicely back into like the dinosaurs go here and this one's supposed to be playing with this dinosaur and this goes over here. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have a full-time staff to take care of that <laughs> shit. Well, in terms of clutter, I've Marie condoed myself. Um, I, I mean, I didn't, I put a bunch in storage, um, which is basically just thrown in my garage, but of your um, stuff or the kids my stuff? stuff too. It was like my complaint about the clutter bothered me so much that I was, I was thinking, I can't complain about this because my shit is overflowing. <laughs> so the first step to removing the clutter for your children is you gotta, you gotta simplify your own stuff. And I've gone too far. <laughs> I've gone too far. My dream would be to put everything in one small suitcase carry on that. That's all you need. Yeah. I have really messed up. I've not put it so much of the stuff in boxes that I'm never going to get it out because I don't know where and how I, I, I just put it in. And I am now short socks. I'm short. <laughs> I'm short. And I just, I have a bunch, but I don't, want to get it out now so it's a problem shirts my multiples of the shirts now I'm like oh man like I had enough where I could just keep on wearing it without doing laundry for a while <laughs> now it's a problem and I put a lot of button downs there's things that I've realized having it minimal in number is not how I can live <laughs> like, where did I put that jacket oh shit <laughs> it's in a box somewhere <laughs> along with the so I'm now fucked myself so now it's the sheer laziness that's preventing me from getting the clothing that I actually need to adequately live, adequately live my life in a comfortable fashion um, I blame the clutter on modern architecture <laughs> when I was you're probably too young I feel like the open floor plan thing is more of is like a mo- slightly more modern invention uh, when I was a kid, like we lived in houses where like everything was like about maximum number of rooms. Like houses were always oh, like right. as many rooms as you can have. Yeah. This is a family room, but this is not the living room. This mm. is a den. This is this. And there's like doors. So like all our shit as kids were like behind closed doors. But I live in like a house with like open floor plans. So there's like nowhere to sequester anything. So I blame, I blame the modern architectural movement on, on our messages. Yeah, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of because my mom's in real estate, but like, um, yeah, no, I kind of, I kind of see it. I just realized you used to be like evolution. maximum rooms. Yeah. You would hide shit in rooms, yeah. and like nobody has rooms anymore. Everything's just like one big. You have like an open floor plan in your house. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Hugo's room, there's no room for a closet, so I thought about like, oh, that's a problem. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's no more like closed spaces. Anyway, I don't think you can declutter in, until you declutter. <laughs> You can't declutter your kids until you declutter. Look, look at fucking Ying's wallet right now. Look what a fucking. Look at. I don't, my wallet's not a pretty. It's a, it's <laughs> like, I got a Costanza situation. Yeah? <laughs> oh, wow. Just saying. I got a Costanza you wallet. You know, they, they, they copy everything we do. <laughs> it's just, there are. That's real. There's like three business cards in my wallet from people who have handed them to me that I've never spoken to again. <laughs> just they're in there for no reason. <laughs> it's hard to let go of things. That's a. Yeah. I'm, th- I'm, I'm really lucky because, like, I live in a pretty small apartment, right? And so just, 
I just organize it once a week. Well, I lived in a small apartment for years in New York City, and it was just, you know, even though I had nothing, just full of shit <laughs> all the time. <laughs> also, yeah. Day, uh, to his credit, likes books and not toys. So, like, it's easy to stack those. You know, like, just put them all together. <laughs> Fucking oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No problem reading. You'll see. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Don't worry, your boy wonder. I'm just gonna start sending fucking Paw Patrol toys to your house. <laughs> I'm fucking do that. I'm sending. It's going straight to the house. recycling uh, bin. I'm sending, sending Blippy. <laughs> Blippy's on the way. <laughs> Shit, guys. Blippy's coming. All right. What else we got? Oh, no, no more dads. No more dads. Okay. Let's see. Oh yeah. Any plans to get into the frozen food CPG space, in particular with any day where it's pre-portioned for any day containers? <laughs> funny, funny. Um. Well, you never know. That's all I'll say. All right. Uh, I have a line of Mexican. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. I'm not going to. What is the proper way to use saran wrap or cling film? Do you A, pull out and cut the piece off and fight it from sticking to itself? Or B, bring the roll to the item being covered, pull the wrap out, apply, then cut? Or C, if you have a giant Costco slash restaurant sized roll, do you bring the item to the roll and use method A or B? I'm I'm so confused. Plastic wrap is a very specific thing taught to me, drilled into me in in professional kitchens, the kitchens that I worked in. Um, How you wrap something is extraordinarily important. You can tell so much about a kitchen by how things are wrapped. Um, And I'm trying very hard to not make that a thing at home we use much more like containers but in restaurants whether it's a hotel pan lexan which obviously you want a lid they're just things lots of six pans nine pans you these are the containers the stainless steel containers or even say um a half sheet tray when you're wrapping it up without sort of talking endlessly about this your goal is to use as little your goal is to use as little, as minimal amount of plastic wrap as possible, but simultaneously where it's taut and as tight as humanly possible and secure enough where if it was spilled or something that it would create a seal and not go out. To do that is actually a skill and talent in and of itself. One of the worst things you can do is just put it over your plate or your your container and just like crunch it up. Right, um, making things super tight and taut with plastic wrap is the sign of a healthy kitchen, in my opinion. And also, you know, one that's extremely OCD. And I'm only saying this because this has been like ingrained in me. You got to rewrap things. You know, and the, it's hard because the reason I say this is um, a lot of times if you have mise en place up up top on your low boy, right? Low boy being the refrigerator up top where you have your garnishes, your finishing sauces, whatever. And you're constantly replenishing that. And that's sort of your, 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 not your reservoir, but what you're using to actively plate your things you need to finish your, t- your, your plates, um, whatever dish you're working on. You're constantly replenishing that. So a lot of times you're recondensing stuff at the end of service. So you're putting stuff in the low boy. So if you have lunch service the next day, that cook's going to come in and be like, okay, at least I have this because I, I made that. The lunch cook was like, I made that sauce. I made that dressing. I made that, you know, brunoise of shallots. And I know that it's good. And within 24 hours, right, there's some restaurants clearly that try to throw out all their mise en place at the end of the night. But actually, most places don't. As long as it's 
done within like 12 hours. And again, if you have a busy restaurant throughput, that being said, you want to be able to leave something and you write a note for your partner. Hey, I blew through all the, 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 the summer squash. Um, I don't have any, um, you know, eggplant puree. I need more fennel puree, et cetera, et cetera. Um, make that for us tomorrow. So the problem is, it's now late at night. Say it's one o'clock. You've cleaned your, you've cleaned your station down, but you're tired. You've been in the weeds and you're ready to go out, get a drink, or at least go home. When you open up the, the low boy and you see that it hasn't been necessarily wiped, it's almost always a correlation between a poorly cleaned station and an improperly wrapped container of food, right? And so that's what happens. And that's I, sort of Sherlock Holmesing it. If I see, if you open up a low boy and you see everything properly wrapped, you go in the walk and everything's properly wrapped. It's like, it's such a beautiful fucking thing. And well, this may not make sense to fucking anybody that's never experienced it. Probably doesn't make sense to you. Does it make sense to you? A little bit, yeah. I've seen the kitchens. But when you see it done right, you know you can be like, okay, everything's everything's humming. When it's not wrapped mm-hmm. properly, something's amiss. It's the first thing to go is the proper wrapping. But I think do you so? I think the question is, do you do this? And I I never, maybe I'm wrong. I never cut off a piece of plastic and then wrap the thing. I use the tension of the plastic being connected to the mm-hmm. roll yeah. to make sure it's taut. And then use my arm to to slice across the cutter. Here's another thing that we should bring up, Jay. If you are in a kitchen, especially one where you are sharing the space with other people, and you happen to, it happens to all of us, the saran wrap rips, right? And now you've got, instead of the full width of the saran wrap, now you've just pulled off a piece of it, and the rest of it is gathering around the side. Don't just fucking leave that for the rest of us to fix, man. It's a real, real pet peeve. Like, do not leave that for the rest of us to fucking fix. And in restaurants, you're using giant rolls of plastic wrap that are like this big, yeah. three feet, two and a half feet long. Um, and those boxes that they come in never really last. By the midway through a roll of plastic wrap, the box has disintegrated into nothing. So sometimes you see like professional rolls where it's like a metal thing. Those are great, but you know. Man, I honestly I could talk about plastic wrap for about <laughs> several hours about everything, and I'm not, so I'm sorry. You got you, you you got me to talk about something I never thought I'd ever talk about publicly. <laughs> Do you go for those other like the? So I I'm only used to like the regular restaurant style whatever sticky wrap, but there are those like the the brand name ones that are like adhesive or sticky or like weird oh, colors and those. different no, things no, like no, never. I really don't use plastic wrap at home. It's always containers. But in many kitchens, the kitchens I've worked in, it is a crucial element to, you know, storage. When you were like wrestling and stuff, did you ever have to like make weight by like sweating it out and covering yourself with plastic wrap? How I would lose weight and make weight in wrestling, I would take a giant thing of Skittles with several bags and I would try to... (laughs) This is true. You you remember those big pretzel containers you get at Price Club? Of course, of course. So all in, if you filled it with spit, that was like six, seven pounds, eight pounds. With spit? Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, (laughs) what did the Skittles have to do with anything? Create so much saliva. So you would put them in your mouth. Not eating it. You're chewing it, 
And it, the action creates so much saliva, you spit it into the bucket. And then you spit out the Skittles. And you're doing this while running in a sweatsuit in, sh- in the sun. Skittles do generate a lot of spit. Yeah. That is insane. <laughs> I'm appalled. <laughs> Who taught you that? That's yeah, what you, we did. What are you talking about? I'm just like, but like one of your teammates did. was like, hey, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, like, listen, it's after football season, so you need to shit, you need to cut weight. And it was either, it was never a sauna because that now wasn't always available, but you have those long showers in high school. You turn them all on, you tape the, sh- the you get duct tape and you put the shower curtains. So it would create a sauna that's actually much more hot mm-hmm. than a sauna, seam. And you would wear sweats or whatever. You're not getting wet and you're just running back and forth in that long high school-like shower. And when you're not doing that, you're if you need to, you're spitting. I know this sounds fucking terrible. And it's not what... This is why wrestling is very hard. <laughs> <laughs> but you just like, spit to make weight. Because it's just like moisture out. You oh need to make weight. So you God. do whatever you can to make weight, which is why like making weight for... And so if you've never wrestled, and when I see boxing or UFC people, making weight is hell on earth. And which is why it's unbelievable that these people can lose sometimes 40, 50 pounds, make weight, and then you can, you overeat. And that's what always my problem would be. I'd be dreaming of food, of just drinking water. Mm -hmm. I would swish it around my mouth like, (sighs) just drinking water. And it's so bad for you. Again, this is early 90s. I have zero idea what is happening today in, in high school sports. Clearly, that's probably not happening today, but that's how I was taught and how I was coached. Mm-hmm. This is also the time and place where I'm not trying to say like, it's oh, so old. Like, if you drank water, even in football, you were considered a wimp. Mm-hmm. That's not, I guarantee you they're not doing that today in high school football. It's like making sure, regardless, you're hydrated all the time. If you ask for water, you were probably going to get, like, not start. That's you know, insane. so like when I talk about this now out of context, it sounds crazy, but you know, you don't want to let the team down. You got, you make, you make weight however you can. The skills thing is that's yeah. wild, <laughs> wild. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> sounds crazy. I know. It I know. Crazy. It sounds totally crazy. <laughs> uh, oh gosh. All right. Let's do one more. All right. One more. I don't know. It's, because some of these are... You guys are really shocked about this losing weight thing, huh? It's not it's, the, way, the, the it's cutting weight, weight I understand. Yeah, I've just never heard of like. use Skittles to generate spit and then fill a pretzel bucket with you spit. You fill it up, but you try to spit out as much as possible. Good God. Good God. God. I mean, it's... Because bo- it helps shave that one or two pounds. I'm sure like pro pounds. boxers, like to your point, like pro boxers and wrestlers are doing extreme it's shit. It's extraordinarily bad for your health. I mean, to lose... I would never let, I, I would really discourage, I don't want to say never, discourage my sons from wrestling because as much as I think the practices are the hardest thing, it's so hard. Cutting weight, I think, is horrible for a, a young person to experience yeah. when they're developing. That's, yeah, that's a determining factor is like no cutting weight. Like the brain, like, oh, your body shouldn't be going to that. Okay, one little little mini one at the end. All right, so if you could swap the prices of two ingredients, all right? So, for example, if you could make saffron the price of a banana, a banana the price of saffron, right? What, what would they be? I'm going to get in trouble here. I think saffron's one of the most, for me, one of the most overrated ingredients. 
I've never loved saffron. You can stay on that. I understand man. how important it is to certain groups of people as an yeah. economic means of living. But to me, as a flavor, it's never spoken to me. Is that crazy? Um, Am I crazy? No, I'm, no, no. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Like, of course, who can taste saffron? <laughs> I don't what? know. I don't know. Saffron is nothing. No, to me. the I, rice, I, dude. Yeah, it's beautiful color. The hue, yeah. the yellow hue, is gorgeous. But it, you know, for those that know, it's a stem of a certain flower grown in a specific region of the world that you can't really replicate. Yeah. Which is why per ounce it's more expensive, or probably less expensive than gold these days. But whatever, it's expensive as fuck to have a shit ton of good saffron. You also can't do it raw. You need to like, you know activate it and release the flavor a certain way. I just think for the price of saffron, it is not worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. The juice for me is not worth the squeeze. Similar how people may think about truffles, which I personally can understand. But I also am just saying personally, I, I know that there's cultures that really, you know, saffron is a very important, I wouldn't say central, it's an important part of their cuisine. It's just not for me. Did uh, I say something that's going to get me in trouble? No, but like, yeah, no, I'm just, yeah. Are you a big saffron guy? No, I'm not a big saffron guy, but I'm scared of big saffron. Like, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not going to go on a podcast so I, or shit talking saffron. I don't, I mean, I don't really dig, I'm not, I don't have anything against saffron. I just, it's Who's a big saffron? I, I Who's big saffron to you? I don't know, man. It's just like, I'm sure these, anytime there's like really expensive ingredients involved, I always worry like, is this like some sort of like racket? Like someone's like, you know, there's people's lives are at stake and shit. Like I would also say I'm, not, like I'm the that. furthest thing from an expert. And again, I think it's important to be honest about these things. Why would I know everything about saffron? I didn't grow up in a culture that had saffron. Yeah. There's only been two times in my life I've ever used saffron. We, to my knowledge, I've never used it in a momofuku dish. I think maybe once we did it at Co. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was at Kraft, we made a saffron risotto and I used it, I t- tasted it all the time. Um, and a couple times, I think, was that was it. Really two times in my life I can think about using saffron. So why would I be an expert in saffron? Right. You know, it's just, just being honest. Like, I you can't be an expert in everything. Yeah. But the question is, if you could swap the prices of two things, what would it be? So like, so, you know, saffron is expensive, but like, if you could swap the prices of two ingredients, what would it be? Well, so I think this question is sort of like about wish fulfillment, right? What if, yeah. what if saffron was really cheap and you could get it whatever you wanted, but I, I think that the, I'm going to use this as soapbox instead. I think the real exercise here is a re- is 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 a genuine thing that we could consider in the food system, which is like price dictates consumption. So, what is something we would want people to eat less of, and what is something that people you want people to eat more of? Yeah. Right. So, I would swap the price of <laughs> beef specifically with I don't know whatever something vastly more expensive. I would swap the price with fucking saffron then. Fine. Like, I think that what beef does and the fact that we're used to the $1 hamburger Mm -hmm. is hugely problematic. And like, I, whatever, wish fulfillment. I, do I wish things were like, I could buy luxury ingredients cheaper. Do I wish caviar was the price of an apple? Yeah. I wish I could buy tons and tons of caviar, but I actually think as like an intellectual exercise, you know, less beef, more, whatever saffron 
truffles. Anything else? I actually switched beef and shark fin because shark fin, the cost of shark fin is like what's leading to it being so like popular, right? And it's like almost like a bedling good at this point. So like if we just made shark fin super cheap, like who gives a shit? Would, they, would people stop harvesting these? I think you they'd know. harvest a lot of sharks. <laughs> <laughs> we would lose a lot of sharks, man. I don't know about that fucking science. Are you a fan of shark fin? That's what I want to know. I, I mean, I've eaten shark fin in my life. I've I only had that, uh, imitation shark fin. Yeah, Ever I mean, in your life? At Corley and at, uh, at LBE, they had a shark fin dish that was uh, tasted and felt like shark fin. Corey used to have it at Bennu that first year. And then LBE, I can't remember exactly what it was made from. I think it was pumpkin in a uh, konyaku sauce of... Uh, Oh, shit. I can't remember. I cannot believe I remember this shit. God damn it, dude. It was pumpkin and... No, it was... It, they made it some kind of hydrocolloid in pumpkin and it, shaped, and it had the chew, but it was a konyaku. So they use a, a arrowroot or a starch um, with a jamon oh, juice. That's you told me about this. <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. right. It was very good. But shark fin is just like, is like shreds of like kind of chewy, crunchy almost like tendon type of texture. I'm like, as a Chinese kid of the 80s, like I ate more shark than I Never should had shark fin. You have a swap? I didn't, I didn't even know bird's nest was a thing until like 10 years ago. Then like, I thought it was a euphemism for something. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it was like, holy shit, it's actually a bird's nest. <laughs> Swallow's, Swallow's nest, nest, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got a Freaky Friday swap for the grocery store though? For more expensive? I mean, beef's a good one. Um, what do you want people to eat more of that they're not eating enough of? It's not that I want people to eat more. And this is really holding myself accountable to this too. I want to be more frugal with what we have. Hmm. I think we threw, throw way too much food out. You know, I'm going to start there. Hmm. Like, it drives me crazy. Not only with the kids, when I look at the things that you buy and you lose track of in the refrigerator at home, which never happens in a professional kitchen, or God willing, it doesn't. Like yesterday, I threw out some changerim that, like, I was like, oh, fuck, I, I forgot about it. And like, oh, I don't want to serve that. I had a package of hot dogs from April 12th. And I'm like, I was so mad, so mad that it was like sitting beneath, you know, some cheese that I didn't even re- remember, right? I was like, those are the things that I think I need to do. I'm sure everybody does because I think 50% of all the food in this world is thrown out. Um, I, I really like the tying this to what you were talking about, just like a professional kitchens organization, though. Like part of what you just said happens all the time to me because like my refrigerator is not organized like a professional kitchen where shit gets lost in the back or underneath a thing or behind a whatever. In a professional kitchen, like you visually organize it. So your use first shit sits in the front. Mm-hmm. So people cannot look past what's going to go bad first and they have to use the thing first. Like My biggest thing I need to worry about, even at the studio, I, I see all the stuff that we have. I'm like, ah, you know, um, throwing food away drives me fucking insane. Especially when it was my responsibility and it's on me. I fucking beat the shit out of myself over that. So I just, it's really hard. And I always think about if you had, didn't have the means, you would eat everything. I always think the same thing. If you've hunted before, you eat everything because you're like, I understand. Which goes back to this, you know, birth of tragedy shit. It was like, we've eliminated the, 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 it doesn't even have to be killing an animal. It's like, 
if you planted beets and you harvested beets, you're gonna be like, fuck, I'm not gonna be so cavalier when peeling it. I'm gonna try to get every bit of that beet. And mm-hmm. you're gonna try to make the most beautiful beet humanly possible. That information, I know that, and yet I still fucking throw shit away. If I'm still doing it, then we're we're fucked in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem. Yeah. I agree. I think it's like the 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 illusion of plenty makes us all wasteful. You go to the grocery store and you see, there's a huge fucking pile of beets. What's this beet mean? I never buy beets, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, guys, thanks for this mailbag. Um, Yeah, give us five stars. Thanks for listening us ramble.